This is Creating Windows, Not Bars, a monthly show on Justice Radio on WMPG with your hosts, Linda Small and Mackenzie Kelly. Today, we are talking with Bruce Nodden, the founder of Maine Prisoner Reentry Network, known as MPRN, about their goal to reduce Maine's recidivism rate and the barriers, challenges, and needs for successful reentry into society by justice-impacted people and their families when they return to their home communities. But first, a little bit about us. I'm Linda Small, a project coordinator with Maine Prisoner Advocacy Coalition and Executive Director of Reentry Sisters, an organization with a trauma-informed and gender approach to reentry support. My name is Mackenzie Kelly. I'm a recovery coach coordinator and peer mentor for Healthy Acadia and the program director of Reentry Sisters. For the past several months, we have worked together to provide support and community for justice impacted women as they reunify with their families, look for work and housing, and complete their educational aspirations. Our show explores safety and community and asks what it's like for people to come home after serving time in prison. And today we're talking about the hurdles that people face in transitioning from prison to productive community life. I'm actually someone who lived through that transition, and I understand the difficulties of returning to my home and my community. Unfortunately, there have been hundreds of people in Maine who cycle in and out of incarceration due to stigma, lack of support, work opportunities, housing, and education. So Bruce, NPRN employs a local community approach to the issues facing the formerly incarcerated and our communities. Can you tell us what that work looks like? Oh boy, when it when it's folks who are in prison, what it looks like is number one, engaging the community in this idea of supporting folks when they when they release from prison. So the way MPRN started was gathering communities together to kind of talk about what what that looks like and how we can work together as a team, as a you know, in the community to support folks that are getting out with the myriad supports and resources that they were going to need. And then the other part of it is um, honoring the folks that are inside by by having a conversation with them, um, by listening to what it is that, what their intentions are for their life. And, um, and then introducing them to resources that may help them to explore maybe more things that they may not have considered for their own lives. Um, so, you know, we kind of say this little statement that some people are sick of hearing me say, we say dare to dream. And, and really all that means is that, you know, you don't have to be limited to um, your, your previous life experience. There are a whole lot of other options that are available to you out in the world and let's explore them together. So that's really, you know, basically what it looks like. Thanks Bruce. I appreciate that. You know, Maine's prisons actually release uh, approximately 755 people every year, which doesn't include the thousands released from the 13 jails across the state. What kinds of uh, support do you offer the people? You know, it looks different uh, for folks who are in jail and in prison only because for folks who are in jail, they're typically there for a shorter period of time. Um, For folks who are in prison, um, typically, we like to start meeting with people nine months to a year prior to release and meet with them at least monthly for that period of time. And again, first listening to them and then discovering what resources, you know, maybe maybe the best for, for that partic- particular person and asking the right questions. 
the services that we provide really are are mostly peer support from folks who have lived experience. Most of our folks that are working on the ground have lived experience of incarceration and then connecting them to those resources that are available in the community and not just connecting them, but introducing that person who actually represents that resource so that that they actually have a relationship with someone before they hit the ground and enter the community. And, you know, for folks like us, we, we kind of understand what that looks like. The anxiety that builds up before you're, you're being released, it just increases every day as you get closer and closer to that release date. And the more unknowns that you can make knowns uh, before folks release, the, the easier that transition is going to be. The other thing is, is that when folks get out of prison and jail, but mostly prison, we, we can pick them up at the prison make a couple of stops. We typically stop at Walmart, um, especially for people who have been out for a you know long time. Going into Walmart is quite an experience when you're looking at, you know, I think of one gentleman that I, there's, there are a lot of stories going into Walmart with folks, but I think of one gentleman that we, he was just looking for what he called basic hand cream. <laughs> and so we stood at this wall and it was, you know, 40, 50 feet to the right and 40, 50 feet to the left. And it was just like every kind of lotion that you can imagine. And he's like, I'm just looking for basic hand cream. And we asked the girl that was there, a Walmart employee. And I said, this guy's just looking for some basic hand cream. And we're looking at this wall, the three of us, and she points behind her and goes, oh, it's down there in this aisle over on the bottom. And he's just like, his mind is just blown. And he'd been in for almost 30 years. So, it, you know, that that adjustment to, to all of the things that that have changed since they've been at me, a, a cell phone, you know, holding a cell phone, you've got this computer in the palm of your hand, a computer that can do things that even the best home computer back in the 90s and 80s never could have done is in the palm of your hand. So it's just like all of those transitional things. And then the feelings, the conversations that folks have, especially when you're trying to reunite with family with friends, relationships with children and parents. And, and there are so many stumbling blocks and, you know, folks will call us at all hours of the day and night and say, you know, I'm having, I'm having this issue with my, my daughter or my son or my mom or, you know, a friend or sister and just talking that through and normalizing it because all people who have reentered or have gone through these things and it's, it's, it, but it can derail the greatest plan in the world. Like you can have this amazing plan, <laughs> you know, it gets so hard that you just kind of say, I'm, I'm done with it. This, this world is nuts and it's much easier to be inside than it is to be out here. So it typically turns to older behaviors, um, certainly substance use, um, reverting back to drugs and alcohol and some of the behaviors that, that were in place, whether it was five years ago or 15 or 30. Um, and we, we just have those conversations to try to keep folks on track with this great plan that they, they typically have, have come up with. It isn't their own. It is their own because they've been driving it and it is their plan, but it's also a plan that the community and these folks from, you know, NPRN on the team are participating in. Wow. That's, that's an amazing um, picture you just painted, Bruce. Thank you for that. 
So I, I know for me, I don't think words can express how it feels when you get out of prison and the type of support that um, MPRN can give. The people that are actually helping with the reentry, are they trained in any specific way? Yeah. So we require that the folks that, that work for us receive peer support training. So certified intentional peer support training, recovery coach training. So um, whether it's from Healthy Acadia or, or PRCC or any of the other providers that provide um recovery coach training. And then also our specific, um, we used to call it reentry coach training, but it, it was too close to recovery coach. So um, we, we basically um, turned it into uh, peer reentry supports or peer reentry support persons. And, and it's a specific three-day training that we've done since 2019. Um, and then ongoing supervision, we have always had weekly and we call it supervision but it's more of like team building we're really kind of talking to each other exploring some of the difficulties that we've had talking about some of the victories or some of the good stuff that's happened and trying to maintain some best practices and develop best practices this is all really kind of new there are all over the country kind of projects that aren't exactly like this but they do have pieces that we can draw from especially the peer support side of it and, um, and, and certainly peer support with lived experience. Um, and we, we just believe that, that if you don't have a basis of training in, in these different disciplines, then we can't really speak the same language. So it's really critical that, uh, that these folks have the training. Now, let's say they have, they, they have recovery coach training, but they don't have certified intentional peer support training. We just ask that they that they take that training when it becomes available the next time and vice versa. And um, our particular training and ongoing supervision is non-negotiable. So um, at some point, they'll have to take that training, too, or even participate in some of the workshops, because we really prefer to have folks working for us who have that lived experience of incarceration and hopefully bring that to the workshops and bring that to the trainings that that we provide. Great. Um Thank you, Bruce. You are listening to Creating Windows, Not Bars, Justice Radio with Linda Small and Mackenzie Kelly. Today we are talking about the challenges formerly incarcerated people face when returning to their home communities with Bruce Nodden of Maine Prisoner Reentry Network. So, Bruce, you talked a little bit about this amazing Walmart story. Can you please share with us one of your greatest success stories that come to mind? So there are people within our organization that are amazing success stories on their own, meaning that we they weren't necessarily people that we worked with when they were getting out because it was too long ago. It was before MPRN was even a thought. But my most, my most recent favorite success story comes from somebody who was in prison and was looking at going back to prison and somehow very thankfully uh, was able to go into uh, drug treatment court in Kennebec County. We also work with um, a number of drug treatment courts providing peer support and recovery coaching. And uh, I met this gentleman when he was in the court, but he was actually at Wellsprings 
that was kind of his last opportunity to kind of get things together. And I noticed immediately that this guy had something. It, it, I couldn't put my finger on it. You know, it was kind of like when I first met Mackenzie, when I first met you, Linda, <laughs> you know, there are some people that are in the system or, or in some part of the system that you notice that they've got some kind of spark or something about them. That's like, I just hope that I'm able to work with that person more as we go down the road. So he got out of Wellspring and we, we had a, um, a support group meeting called Thursday night thunder that we had started to go along with this program. And, uh, he got out, out of Wellspring. He was back in the court, you know, and, um, and he was just doing all the right things. And I asked him one day, I said, how would you like to run this meeting? And he's like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Cause I like the meeting, but I said, no, I'll support you. But I want to hand this meeting over to you to, to, to take it over. And what, what's really wonderful about that is immediately things started to change for him. Being Just being put into a what I would consider now a very small leadership position. And then he, you know, he, he moved on from there. He, he, he was going to college for, to get his uh, CADC, his uh, Certified Alcohol and Drug Counselor uh, certification. And, um, and he passed the test. And. And, um, you know, he's working toward his LADC now. After commencing, we offered him a job and he started out as a recovery coach. Um, and he was he was actually working for Healthy Acadia in partnership with us. And um, and then we we developed a new program in Androscoggin County to support St. Francis folks in St. Francis House, folks in the jail and folks in uh, the recovery treatment court um, here in Androscoggin County. And immediately thought that Johnny would be the guy to, to run this, to run this program in this County. And uh, so we offered him the position and he's, he's been, uh, let's see, we started in July and, um, and he's been, he's been running this program. So this is a gentleman that spoke, that spent the better part of a decade in prison um, and, you know, and had been through the system, had been in jail a number of times um, had it been in treatment court. So it's a testament to a whole bunch of things, right? So it's, it's, it shows the value of treatment court. It shows the value of peer support. He and I would stay up, you know, I, I'd have three and a half hour conversations with this, with this man in the early days of what was, it was called the Kennebec County peer support pilot. And in the early days of that pilot, I was the only peer support. And so we were having these amazing conversations and, you know, building this confidence and then to the point now, and he also now, he, he owns a, he owns a recovery residence also. I mean, if that isn't enough, right. So he's making it, he's making a huge difference in the community. And, and, and it's that thing that we see in people where we go, okay, there's something there. And then if you, if you just, if you, like water and nurture and throw some fertilizer in there, which is just, it really comes down to love, right? Like we just show this love to people and show them that there are opportunities and that they do have value. They take it from there and they start changing the community in ways that you never could have even dreamed of. Thanks, Bruce. I, uh, I just kind of wanted to say something to that because actually, um, starting on the MPRN weekly meetings, I, you know, you had actually invited me to do that reentry training. And I also think that that kind of started my journey 
throughout the reentry and, you know, helping other people. So it's just that like little faith that somebody has in you and, you know, you feel that. So I can imagine what Johnny felt like, you know, when you offered to have him run that meeting and uh, it gives people the drive to want to do something for someone else, kind of like you had done for us. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So can you actually tell us about some of the partners that you work with here in the state of Maine? And what does that NPRN weekly meeting look like? So I'm just going to say we work with all the partners. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think the most critical partners are the folks that give us access to people in prison and in jail. So, you know, the the partnership like today when I at noontime, I'll be heading down to Androscoggin County Jail and we're going to be meeting with a number of Johnny and I will be meeting with a number of folks in the jail. The folks at the jail, the program director, the, the, the jail administrator, the sheriff, those are our partners. Right. And then um, and then same thing with DOC, obviously, and in, in being able to have conversations about, you know, what this what this is going to look like and and how it can work for them and how it can work for us. So those are key partners um, because it, it gives us access. Um, and then other key partners are, you know, the, when we do the treatment court work, it's the judges and the district attorneys and main pretrial services who have been just an amazing partner. Um, all of those folks. And then it's just, just like massive number of folks that are in the community that most people don't even know are there. So when people have never been to the NPRN weekly statewide convening, which happens every Tuesday at 930, they pop in and they go, oh my, like I had no idea there were this many resources available in the whole state. And, and it's, you know, it's mental health, it's substance use treatment, it's supports, it's, you know, um, um, workforce development, it's all, you know, housing experts, every, all of the things. Um, and, and you get to see that there are a whole lot of people in this, in this state and in our communities that care, that do this work, not because they're trying to get rich, not because, you know, of anything that has anything to do with materialistic anything. It's because they care about their fellow people and and then they also care about their community because every person that's getting out of prison, every person that's getting out of jail is potentially someone who's who can contribute something great um, to the community or something essential to the community. Each one of us is important to the community and every person that's getting out of prison and jail has this potential and everybody that's at that statewide convening, which could be yesterday, it was like, I think we got up to almost 60 people and, and, and it can be as many as 80 or 85 people. You can imagine all of these organizations and we all get to know each other and we all get to support each other. And we also all get to work kind of as a team. And one of the last things that I, I can't forget is that we have folks joining us who are in prison. So we have folks from Maine State Prison. We have folks from Mountain View. We have folks from um, Maine Correctional Center, from Southern Maine Women's Reentry Center, almost always joining us to add their voices, not just add their voices, but guide us as to what direction we need to go. It, it's, it's all wonderful for us to sit outside and say, oh, they need this and they need that. We know what they need. We don't know what folks need when they get out of prison. People who are getting out of prison know what it is. And the same thing goes for, and that's what's so great about having, you know, folks like you all joining the meeting as well, because you give this perspective of, of 
folks who have gotten out of prison, that transition and how hard it is. And Mackenzie, you were really open at one of the statewide meetings with, you know, I'm having a tough time. You know, we all thought, oh, Mackenzie's all set. And that don't ever think anybody who's getting out of prison is all set. <laughs> they could have the greatest plan in the world. They're not all set. They need our support. It may just be to say, I know you're going, I know this is hard. And I appreciate what you're doing, just uh, anything. But you opened up at that meeting and then the whole meeting blew up. Like we spent the entire rest of the meeting talking about this and people who had been in prison before and had reentered were like telling you, these are the things that I did. These are the, these are the ways that I went. And then there was also input from people in jail in, that were in prison. It was, it's just, it, it's just a, a, a meeting that I can't really describe. Um, until you actually go to it. And every morning I wake up and I go, who's going to show up to this meeting? Like, this is ridiculous. And, uh, and every, almost every day it's, it's 50, 60, 70 people. And it's, it's beautiful. That's fabulous, Bruce. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned sort of the unsung heroes out there in the community that are doing this work that most people are not aware of. And it is all about, giving and receiving radical love right from our community and embracing these people um, when they return and sharing collective knowledge, which I think is, is, is so vital to community itself, not only the success of the individual people, but for us to come together um, as we were meant to be, right, and, and support mm. one another. And those are all wonderful things. But can you talk a little bit about, you know, what failure might look like for a person and what we could do to prevent those stumbling blocks for some people? Um, what are the main issues that people are facing? So first of all, I, we prefer not to use the word failure um, because we have we always have this hope that even if there are stumbling blocks and challenges, that there's always an opportunity for that person um, to, to turn things around uh, with the support of the community. And you know, that failure and success look different for different people. And so, you know, success for one person may be just survival, um, you know, having the basic needs met, food on the table, a place to sleep, um, you know, certain amount of income, you know, those kind of basic necessities. And then for other people, success may be, you know, achieving their college degree or master's degree or uh, getting, you know, their dream job that they've always wanted to do. Um, so, so again, you know, for that person who should be like a, a college has that potential for the college degree and the master's degree um, failure could look, could be that they're in survival mode. And for folks who are in survival mode and anybody in that spectrum um, failure could, it could be honestly, and I hate to be morbid, but it could be death. So the, the big thing that we, that, we end up running into is it, what causes some folks to to kind of have some major challenges is uh, stigma. And, you know, it may, may be that stigma that they encounter with family members and with, with friends and with that job that they applied for and they got the job, but then, you know, soon after found out, got, got a call from, from the employer saying, Oh no, you no longer have that job. We did this background check and you, you can't have this job. And just continually getting knocked down and and having to get back up, and that's where that peer support comes in. That's where having somebody to rely upon. And I I'm saying about myself with with my own recovery, 
know, um, if I had to do the recovery by myself, I, I couldn't have done it. And, you know, I kept trying to get back up and it was like, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. And people, you know, wrapped around me and said, oh, no, you can do this. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, but you can do this. And it's the same thing with the folks with and we have to say this. It's reentry and recovery at the same time, because it isn't it isn't always from recovery from substance use disorder. It's recovery from incarceration. Like this, this, this thing of, of having been in prison and the trauma that comes with that, there has to be a period of recovery. Um, so there's that stigma, right? And then there's the self stigma, the stigma of just thinking that everybody's looking at you. I've had people tell me that they feel like when they go to the grocery store, they've got stamped across their forehead felon or, or whatever, whatever the worst thing in the world that you've ever done is like, it's like everybody's looking at you and it's not true. You're just another person in the grocery store or Walmart or whatever. Um, but you have this self stigma, but the reason why they were able to do it is that they had support. They had people around them that said, no, you are as good as we think you are. You may not know that you're as good as you, th as we think you are, but we're going to try to convince you that you can do this. So at every level, having people that are support you, can help you to not fall down that, you know, that rabbit hole of quote unquote, I'm a failure. The challenges are going to come. Life is a challenge. Even for us folks that have never been in prison, it's a challenge. Imagine adding that to life that you've been in prison. That's amazing, Bruce. Thank you. So how can uh, community members and organizations help with this whole reentry process? Participate whether you're involved day to day or month to month or year to year, it's critical that you're at the table. It takes a community to wrap around folks that are getting out of prison, that are getting out of jail, that have these things in their history. It doesn't matter whether they just got out or they got out 10 years ago or 20 years ago. There's still a certain amount of support that that's necessary. And if we do this work as a community, we are, our, our communities are safer. Our neighborhoods are safer. We tap into a workforce of young people, especially that is that is not even realized at this moment. Um, the economy part of things, folks are shopping in your stores in your local community. They're paying taxes. All of the things that come along with this. If you don't want to have any feelings like I do for every person that gets out of prison and jail, if you don't even want to love them, you don't want to. Do, it's fine. But think about the economic impact and the impact as far as, you know, I live in this this neighborhood in Auburn. I know that if we support more people that are getting out of prison and jail, that my neighborhood's safer. That's that's it. Thank you, Bruce, to you and your team for the important work that you do and for helping us understand how to make a difference in the lives of justice impacted people, their children and families and our communities. Thank you. Yeah, and, and we've heard the challenges people face in returning from prison and what they actually need to be successful. Please check out the Maine Prisoner Reentry Network website at reentrymaine.org to learn more about programs, events, and services this extraordinary organization offers in your local community. In coming shows, we'll begin to explore public safety, housing and work opportunities, and the experiences and struggles of returning citizens to create meaningful and productive lives. 
Next week, please join Representative Charlotte Warren and Zoe Bocas on Justice Radio to learn about the upcoming Maine 131st legislative session and what can be done to redefine and reimagine equity, restoration, and justice through legislative action. And please visit Justice Radio show page on WMPG.org for our archived episodes that air on WMPG and WERU. And a big thank you to Samuel James for his gift of music that opens and closes each episode in our series. 